0: Hi, everyone. Good seeing you all. Hope you are enjoying the nice weather outside. With that said, let's go into uh, the passage for today. It's Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 13 through 14. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, just two verses. Uh, Let me read it for us, and we'll pray, and then we'll go right into the, the time of the sermon. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In him, in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Amen. Uh, let me pray one more time, and then we'll Um, Go right into the passage. Uh, Father, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that your spirit is present in this place. And thank you for this opportunity that we have today, especially uh, of uh, getting to learn about uh, the the Holy Spirit, the very God uh, that we have in us for those who are in Christ. So I pray that you would uh, open our eyes, open our hearts to your truth, God, uh, because we acknowledge that uh, we are bombarded with a lot of things in our minds and our hearts uh, from the world. We need you to clear up any distractions so we can see clearly uh, what you have to say and receive and be transformed. God, I'm just an unworthy servant uh, delivering your word, so give me strength so I can bring all the glory to you and be able to be clear uh, to deliver only what you have to say. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As usual, uh, three points for you to follow along. Um, The title for the sermon, by the way, is The Great Blessings of the Spirit for Those Who Believe. And the first point is the responsibility of faith. And the second uh, is the protection of faith. And thirdly, I remember this i was like man i got the second point so i was like oh okay but i forgot third point is the certainty of faith Res- responsibility protection and certainty of faith first point responsibility of faith So if you've been following along in the series, for the past few weeks, we have been looking at the spiritual blessings that believers have um, in terms of uh, each person of Trinity, right? These blessings are from all three persons of Trinity. Trinity. And finally, today, we get to see what God the Holy Spirit uh, brings to us. But of course, not by himself, but with the cooperation of God the Father and God the Son. So, this portion that we have today is about uh, God, the Holy Spirit. Verse 13, let's read together. Uh, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, Perhaps the word that stands out in this verse is the word sealed. Uh, So, we'll get there, but before we get there, we encounter something crucial in this verse uh, that is the fact that uh, one must hear and believe the word of truth which is the gospel gospel of their salvation and that person the one who believes in the message are the ones that uh, get the blessings of being sealed by the Holy Spirit which we'll again see in a moment. So so far, Uh, In this paragraph that we just, uh, we have been studying uh, thus far, uh, you know, we've only read what God has done for the people. Namely that God the Father has chosen and predestined the believers for salvation. And then God the Son paid the ransom price uh, with his own blood to redeem them. So it's all about what God has done. Uh, So I think at that point, some of us may wonder that people are just like robots, you know, simply following along with God's preset program. But we encounter in this verse, again, very crucial here, Paul says that the people, the recipients of God's gifts and grace, have the clear responsibility. They must exercise their own will to believe in the gospel. The gospel that says they are hopeless sinners deserving God's wrath, God's just wrath, and Jesus died on the cross as a substitute for their sins. So if they believe in Jesus with their own will, uh, and and their sins are fully atoned for at that time, and, and they have eternal life. That's the gospel, and they have to believe that from their hearts. So now, with that said, at first glance, you know, the, the truth about God's choosing people for salvation, and on the other hand, the human responsibility of faith may seem like that can go together. But that is clearly what the scriptures teach all the Bible. One example, Acts 13.48 says, When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So again, on the one hand, God had a definite plan to save uh, these people, and he did. But on the other hand, uh, these people, Gentiles, used their own will to rejoice in the truth, and they believed. I think it would be helpful for us to look at the order of that I shared a few weeks ago, the order of salvation. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but uh, one of the steps, one of the first steps in that order is regeneration. That's one of the first steps uh, of what happens when people are saved. Uh, regeneration, in other words, it's also called being born again. Uh, it happens because the Bible teaches that the natural human heart is so corrupted and even dead because of sin that they cannot, uh, by their own will, choose God or obey him as their king. You know, if left to ourselves, we would rather choose uh, my and my own desires, not God. So God must give them a new heart uh, to desire God and believe in the gospel and and be reconciled to God. It has to be God's work at, at the forefront. And right there, I want you to see that, again, on the one hand, God is working on his salvation by giving them a new heart. Uh, but at the same time, this heart that is given to them is their own heart, right? So when they choose to believe in God with this new heart, it is their will. So nothing is violated uh, in this situation. What that means is, under God's absolute sovereignty and salvation, humans still must choose to believe. And let me give you another example of that. Uh, Acts 16, uh, 14 through 15, it says this. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods uh, who was a worshiper of God. Look at this. And the Lord opened their heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul and then after she was baptized, meaning that she had believed. All over the Bible. It, it, it looks contradictory, but it is true. It, it, if you're curious, it's called a compatibilism. Uh, you can look it up, maybe. Uh, it's kind of showing that God's sovereignty and human responsibility go together. And now, uh, after explaining all of this, let me just give you a main point about why This exists in the Bible and in our lives. The point that the Bible is making is this that if God is absolutely sovereign over salvation, and again, and at the same time, the humans have the responsibility to respond to God in the right way, you know what we're to do then is this. The Bible is saying, you know, leave to God the ultimate outcome because He's sovereign. But you, for your part, do the, do what's right. Let me say it again. The Bible is saying by, by teaching us this doctrine, Bible is saying that leave to God the ultimate outcome. He's the sovereign one. And for your part, do what's right. So what that means is this, meaning that for our, for my own salvation, I must believe in the gospel and afterwards continue fighting for my faith. Meaning there's no really good fruit in speculating whether I'm chosen or not. God knows that I don't. But what I do know is I have to keep fighting for my faith. And, you know, in this book, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, you know, Paul, in this letter, he calls everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone chosen. There's no discrimination. He says, if you believe in Jesus, you are chosen. And he's basically saying that by virtue of their faith in Christ, they are the elects and have all the blessings in heaven from God. And they are to keep believing in these promises and keep fighting for their faith. Paul is not trying to stumble them in any way. He's saying, God is sovereign, but guess what? You are chosen. Believe that and live freely and as a blessed people. And then from there on, I think this, this passage might help you understand how this works. Second uh, Peter 1.10 says this, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. Confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these uh, these qualities, you will never fall. So you are chosen believers, and now live the rest of your lives to prove that you indeed have experienced the grace of God. And also, when it comes to uh, other people's salvation, you know we don't dare to speculate who's chosen out there or not. Our job, again. Let God be God. Let Him take care of who's going to be chosen or not. Our job, the Bible says, is to share the gospel with, you know, any and everybody out there, trusting that God will do His work and save people. Leave to God the ultimate outcome, and for your part, do what is right. Uh, you know, I forget. what... Whether I heard this story on the podcast or uh, through people that uh, personally know Pastor John Piper, but I uh, heard this story where, um, uh, this person was asking Pastor John Piper this question. The question goes, how do you know whether you married the one? That was a question. And in response, um, Pastor John Piper asked, you know, who is on your marriage certificate? And the person goes, Well, my wife, besides me. And then Piper goes, Well, that's the one for you. Meaning, the person, the the person that asked the question, was trying to figure out, you know, what he cannot know. Uh, When all he had to do was to be faithful to his wife and be a good husband. Likewise, when we're faced with the doctrine of you know, election and sovereignty, you know we can be tempted to try to figure out what we don't know, what we can't know, and even abuse this doctrine to turn to malign God or you know, turn to fatalism. But the clear teaching of the Bible is that we are to you know, trust God in the things that we don't know and what's beyond us, and do what's right that is within our responsibility. So from that truth and teaching, I want to say this clearly, because I believe this, because I know God is sovereign. If any of you in this room and anyone joining us you know, through the live stream and you're you know, searching and seeking God um, through this time, we welcome you. Thank you for joining us. And if God is somehow tugging at your heart through this message or, you know, these days for whatever reason, I want to encourage you to keep seeking and keep trying to understand the gospel. And my prayer for you, because I believe in God's sovereignty. I ask God to change your heart and eventually uh, believe in God. And the rest of us, if you're a believer in this room and if you're joining us through the live stream, Let us keep seeking God. Let us uh, keep doing things that would help us grow in our faith. Because if we don't, there's nobody else to blame. Uh, No more excuses. It is our responsibility to do whatever we can to fight for our faith. The responsibility of faith. Second, the protection of faith. Verse 13 again. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Again, Paul is very straightforward. If you're a believer, you're chosen, and here's your blessing. The blessing is that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The word seal can mean several things, but in context, I believe it means primarily to secure and protect Look with me, uh, Matthew twenty-seven, sixty-six. It says, "So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard." Now, here's a scene where the Roman soldiers are trying to secure the tomb of Jesus before his resurrection. If you know the story, and they sealed it, you know, by using something we don't know, like tape. I don't know, whatever it is, to make sure. Uh, that the disciples won't break in, right? That's how the story went and steal Jesus' body. Uh, So from there on, we get the meaning of sealing, you know, securing and protecting, meaning that, again, in this verse, uh, in verse 13, at conversion, when you believe, the Holy Spirit enters you to dwell in your heart forever, and he will seal you to protect and secure you. Now, the question we have to ask is, secure and protect you from what and for what? So we go to verse 14. It says, the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Uh, If you look at the ESV's footnote, uh, the phrase, until we acquire possession of it, uh, it says it can be all it can also be translated until god redeems his possession i think it's yes if you're doing that yes if doing that because there are multiple ways to translate it i think they are being really fair there and uh, the the phrase until god redeems his possession is more literal uh, from the greek so from there we see that uh, the holy spirit seals our hearts until You know, God redeems his possession. Uh, Meaning that from the point of conversion until you receive uh, your reward, you know, Holy Spirit protects you during that time. And let me clarify really quick here. Uh, You know, we hear, we see the word redemption again. Uh, We studied this word last week in verse seven. Uh, Back then, the redemption had to do with the present reality a freedom from the penalty of sin right now, which is namely justification. Redemption here is a future reality, namely the freedom from the presence of sin entirely, and you receive the resurrection bodies, namely glorification. Just to kind of make a distinction there. So again, that's what's happening here. Until the end, the Holy Spirit will protect us. And that's why if you go to Ephesians 4, 30, same book, later on, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you are again sealed for the day of redemption. And let's ask this next question because I think we're almost getting there to understand what the verse is really meaning. The next question is, okay, so we get that the Holy Spirit protects us until the end, but what does it mean that we're kept safe you know, until the end. What does that mean? Like, physically? Is that what's happening here? Like, the Holy Spirit physically protects us? That won't make sense because if Jesus doesn't come back um, and, and we, we die and get sick before he comes back, then, you know, that, that means Holy Spirit didn't protect us, right? So it, that's not what it's saying here. And also, if you go to different countries, there are a lot of Christians who are facing physical persecution, um, you know, in, in many ways. So that's not what it's saying by sealing. Rather, it means that Holy Spirit will protect our faith. That's important. That he protects our faith in Christ to the end so that we do not quit in the middle. So that we uh, persevere to the end to receive God's reward. That's what it means. He seals our faith, so we won't fall. And hear this glorious truth, how the Spirit you know, really protects our faith is this, that He convinced us of our relationship with God. So we go to Romans eight fifteen 15 through 17. It says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, it's as if the Spirit is negotiating with our spirit, uh, that we are children of God. If children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Meaning, you know, throughout our lives, throughout our journey, until God calls us home or what if Jesus comes back, what the Spirit does is that He constantly reminds us over and over that God is not our slave master. He's not somewhere that's out there with no relationship. No, God is our Father. Meaning he, the Holy Spirit affirms in our hearts that there is a relationship that is close. And in fact, prayer is the key here. Uh, according to a the theologian named Graham Cole, uh, prayer is a place where you know, this work of spirit, of affirming and encouraging our faith is most evident because, like, like we see in this verse, when we pray, that's when we call God Abba, Father. Friends, what that means is that when we pray, Prayer is like an oxygen mask that revives our body from death, near death. Because when we pray, we say, Abba, Father. And through that, God reminds us and affirms our faith, encourages our faith to spring up again and say, we are in the Lord. I will not quit. I'll keep going and understand and receive God's love for me. As my father, and that is how the spirit uh, will carry us to the end. Um, is the video working? Or oh, okay. Let's yeah, Let's watch it. <laughs> this video I'm like man it's a great video but it's so sad the music so sad. anyways um, if you have watched this video you may know what's going on here but um, the, the runner is a British runner and uh, you know he uh, snaps his hamstring while he's running and uh, the guy that comes to his rescue is his own father. Um, who is, you know, refusing any other people's help, but he's willing to carry him all the way to the finish line. And to me, that's a great picture of, you know, what we are reading here in this passage. The Holy Spirit, you know, when, you know, so to speak, we, we snap our hamstring in our lives, when we're just aching in our hearts and don't know where to go and so lost, if you have lived long enough, that's common Thing in our in our lives, and that's when you know the Holy Spirit comes along and He carries us all the way to the end, finish line. Uh, let me just share this one picture, uh, just to kind of apply what I'm trying to say here. Uh, I got this picture from um, my Instagram uh, post from uh, a while ago, and this is a picture of. A uh, iced Americano with double shut espresso uh, from this amazing coffee shop in Wisconsin called uh, Collectivo. Um, I think all the Wisconsinites are just raving right now. Uh, so I was, you know, I was a youth pastor in Wisconsin uh, for a while, and uh, was my my favorite um, uh, coffee shop. love the coffee shop. But I think it's one day when I took this picture, I remember uh, I was like really tired. I I was doing ministry and then, you know, like in the the afternoon, I was so tired and groggy um, and uh, just feeling really drained. So I went to the coffee shop just to get some coffee and, you know, just to feel a little better. But I remember I was just so like, you know, gloomy and irritable because I was so tired that day. Uh, And then, you know, I got this drink. And I kid you not, after every sip, I felt my body, my mind, and my soul coming alive. It's like, oh. And at some point, I literally told told myself, like, man, life is so beautiful. It's like 180-degree change from how I was feeling. And then I wrote as a caption for the post in the Instagram, I said, that feeling when the double shot espresso wakes you up, smiley face, hashtag, praise the Lord. I was trying to be cool, I was trying to be a cool youth pastor at the time. Um, and I share this with you because, you know, I want to be honest with you because I, I have to tell you that I can be pre- pre- pretty fickle like this, you know, that my mood can be going from groggy because of fatigue and, you know, go all the way to being uplifted by a substance, you know, coffee, caffeine. And then later on, after a few minutes later, it goes back down and, you know, it's affected by all kinds of emotions and circumstances. Uh, meaning that, you know, I would never rely on the strength of my own faith to finish my journey. No way. No way. Because if I do, I will not expect to see heaven. But if our hope in the Holy Spirit that is given to us as a gift, promising to us that He has sealed us and He will finish the race for us, He will carry us across the finish line. Then my hope is secure in any circumstances. And again, we have the responsibility to do what's right and do our best to fight for our faith. But man, at the end of the day, we can rest in God's provision of grace every moment. And that's why I can go to sleep at night protection of faith, the sealing of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, the certainty of faith. So follow with me here. Verse 14, it says, the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And as the director uh, gaze back to the footnote again, um, because the word guarantee can also mean a down payment, and trying to explain this the, the richness of this word. Uh, but of course, the down payment, if you're familiar with this term, perhaps maybe young adults, you know, if you have like bought a car or house, maybe um, it's a money that you pay at the beginning of getting a loan, uh, and it's part of you know the principle of the loan. So you're paying this as a false installment, a uh, promising that. You pay back the rest of the loan for a you know certain period of time. That's a promise. Along that line of thought here, so God is saying that He has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment, promising that He will give us the rest of something, and that something is is as our inheritance. And this word is pretty rich. Also, uh, it's used in the Old Testament to talk about the portion of land that the israelite tribes would receive from god as inheritance in, in the land of israel but in new testament this word has to do with uh, not physical land but uh, the, the kingdom of god meaning that believers has share in god's kingdom in the future and and as a, as a children and heir and citizen of this kingdom the believers will receive all other privileges of this kingdom namely No more sin, no more death, resurrection body, but best of all, they will receive unhindered access to God's presence. In other words, we will inherit heaven and full of its bliss. That's what it means that you know we're destined for our inheritance in the future. So again, God gave us Holy Spirit as down payment promising that we will get this inheritance. That's what he's saying here. But you see, I want you to see that this is very different from the, the typical transaction that happens you know, between the buyer of the house and the banker. Because even if they pay the down payment, people often um, go bankrupt and they fail to keep that promise, right? But here, look at what the down payment is. Look with me. God's down payment here is God. God the Holy Spirit. Meaning God gave Himself as a pledge, as a, again, guarantee, like the text says, uh, that we will for sure, there's no fail here, for sure, get this inheritance. If, again, God is, if God is the down payment, then we can be absolutely certain that we will get this. In fact, you know, I want to argue that this inheritance is so certain to the point that you can not even say that you have it right now. That's that's the force of this 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 verse here. That's so certain that of course you don't have it, you know, not in reality, but it's as if you have it. Because Holy Spirit represents God's presence. And heaven means our unhindered access to God's presence. You see where I'm going? And therefore, if we have the Holy Spirit, we have heaven with us right now. Uh, One of my favorite hymns, it, it says like this. If you go to the next slide, it says, Since Christ my soul from sin set free, this world has been a heaven to me and mid-earth's sorrow and its woe, tis heaven my Jesus here to know. Oh, hallelujah, yes, tis heaven. Tis heaven to know my sins forgiven. On land or sea, what matters where, where Jesus is, tis heaven there. Meaning, if you have Holy Spirit, you have whole trinity with us spiritually right now so wherever you go whatever the situation that you're in right now it's saying you have heaven with you that's how certain this promise is you will for sure get heaven as your inheritance um i don't know how many of you have been following the the winter olympics uh, but nathan chen um you know made a lot of headlines recently right um, you know, he won the gold medal and um, and I think a lot of people commented that, um, you know, his last performance, as shown in this picture, um, before he got the gold medal, You know, people noticed that uh, he looked so happy towards the second half of this performance. And then later on, uh, one of the interviewers asked him whether, you know, at, that, at this moment while he was going into the second half, whether he already knew that he was going to uh, you know, win the gold medal? And his answer was basically yes, because, you know, by then, he had finished all the, you know, tough routines and, you know, skills and uh, techniques. And and by then, he, he knew it was certain that his score would exceed his competitors. So from this point on, he, just, he could just enjoy, he could just fully, you know, have joyful skating uh, for the rest of this night for him. And you see, if you're next slide, there's a lot of smiles. Um, yeah, a lot of smiles (laughs) that, that we see in Nathan Chan. And I share this because for believers, Christ has done all the tough routines, so to speak, tough things in our lives, meaning that he paid the penalty. He paid the ransom price for our full redemption, you know, by dying for the dying for us on the cross by shedding his own blood. And furthermore, uh, he sealed us uh, with his Holy Spirit, and he resides in us, and uh, he guarantees the victory to come. So then how should we live? If we truly believe in this hopeless, depressing world, we talked about cynicism on Friday, and we'll talk about it at FNL as well this coming Friday, but... This world is cynical and talking about all the negative things and hopeless things. You know, you just go through the news at these days, all negative things. That's the reality, isn't it? Hopeless. But in the midst of all of that, you realize that you have heaven through the Holy Spirit. It is solid living hope. And if you know that, your response is joy, hope, confidence, security, regardless of your circumstances. So may we remember the blessings of the Trinity God, especially today, that of the Holy Spirit sealing our hearts, reminding us of our relationship with God, our adoption, and that we have heaven here with us right now. That we look forward to the bright future. Let's pray together. I I believe that um, Paul is just... I mean, he is praising God. he's just saying all these things from, you know, awestruck heart as he realizes what kind of blessings that we have as believers. That God secured, that, that God thought of us even before the foundation of the world. That he sent his one and only son to die on the cross for us and that Christ did that willingly but from there on not just leaving us alone from there but God gave us the Holy Spirit showing us that God truly is Emmanuel God with us no matter where we are no matter what we face God is with us that makes all the difference and we are sealed to the end we are never alone on our worst days we can still have hope so could we pray right now um, Just again um, God's sovereignty means that we can ask him for anything And I love it when I can just get to be honest with God and ask God, God, I need you to work in my heart. Stir up my heart for you. Give me strength. Could we do that? Again, prayer is the oxygen mask reviving our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So let's pray for a little bit and um, respond with this song. Let's pray.